Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hi, friend, and welcome to the podcast this week. Um, I'm excited to share a conversation that I had with Dr. Terry Badar. Dr. Badar is the author of Flip Your Switch, A User's Guide to a Whole New Mind. She is a renowned leadership coach and CEO whisperer. She earned her MBA from Hult International Business School and has accrued training in authentic leadership, managing complexities in behavioral economics. Between writing, coaching, and teaching meditation, Dr. Terry devotes herself to Love Conscious Human, a one-of-a-kind educational platform for evolving humans. Love Conscious Human was created to support those ready to embody love consciousness, which we'll talk more about in this conversation, as well as participate in crowdsourcing a better future. I really uh, enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Bedar. Uh, she speaks um, my language. Uh, maybe in different language from a different point of view, from the point of view of um, someone in economics and business coaching. Uh, but I think you're really going to enjoy what she has to say. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Terry Bader. Hi there, and welcome to The Wholehearted Healer. I'm your um, host, Dr. Avine Banish. Really excited to be here with you today, and I'm excited to have a conversation today with Dr. Terry Bedar. Um, Dr. Bedar is a renowned leadership coach and a CEO whisperer who has recently um, written a book called Flip Your Switch, A User's Guide to a Whole New Mind, and I'm really excited to talk about lots of interesting things with her today. So Dr. Terry, welcome. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Um, you and I don't know each other. Um, I researched you and I looked at your website and you're doing amazing things in the world, uh, that really are in line with, um, this podcast. I, I, I love to have conversations with people who I see are living or attempting to live wholeheartedly in the world. And what I mean by that is kind of with an open heart, um, because, we all know that the world is a challenging place, especially right now. Um, so the people who I see can do that with what I call wholeheartedness or open-heartedness really interest me. <laughs> and I think they're the teachers of our time. And I suspect you're one of those people. So can you just tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get to all the goodness of your book. Um, I'm basically a leadership development coach. Okay. I'm an educator. Uh, now I'm an author. I'm also a speaker. I do workshops. Um, and I've been working in, um, behavior modification. I started in behavior modification 30 years ago and social engineering and those kinds of, and studied actually with an Institute, the workings of the subconscious mind. So a little bit out of the box and I'm also an all faith minister. So Wonderful. lots going on. And have you always been someone, you know, we're going to talk about the concept of love consciousness versus war consciousness. So this awareness, this sense of 
living in the world um, with an open heart. Has that, were you born with that? Did that, did you develop that through your life? Can you explain how you sort of arrived even at that concept? Yeah. Yeah. I think I was born with an open heart as are all of us. Mm -hmm. And it was squelched in many ways as it is for most of us. And then I really set out very early in life to figure out, well, there's got to be more than this. This can't be it. Like there, there's there's a whole nother level. I can smell it. I can feel it. But like, how do I get there? Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason for writing the book is because I look back at the decades that it took me to understand what it is to live with a whole heart, as you call it, what I call love consciousness, and to be in a place where you can be physically, mentally, emotionally happy and well, and that you can thrive, you can be fulfilled, you can experience joy on a daily basis, you can be successful in business, in your relationships, everything. And I'm like, wow, why didn't somebody tell me this? So I wrote the book and it's a process. It's a process. It takes time. But I really wanted to take a couple of decades off for other people. Right. Kind of a roadmap. Yeah, totally. It's a method. I think our tendency in my own life, in the people, in my friends, in people who I have worked with, um, I think the current model for humans is, you know, there are a lot of people that are having these almost like conversion experiences to living open-hearted after um, they hit some sort of rock bottom, be it addiction or illness or divorce. Um, but I think what's really interesting and what I'm guessing if we'll find out as I talk to you more about your book is that it doesn't have to be that way, that suffering doesn't have to be the the roadmap. Exactly. Exactly. And And you're right. A lot of my clients come to me because they're rock bottom. Mm-hmm. or something really is not working. And my my motto on that is like you don't have to wait for it not to be to, to for not working. You can you can get on that journey now and I, I find that a lot of the younger folks are actually interested in this. I have some very very interesting young people, CEOs, uh CFOs, CTOs, uh, in the startup community, in social entrepreneurial community, who want to do good things for the world, and they're really living from this love conscious point of view, and learning what war consciousness is allows them to make a whole other set of choices, which are also economical, which is really interesting. So let's back up because um, you, when you speak of love consciousness and war consciousness, that obviously is fundamental to your message, but people may not know what that is. So can you, can you explain yeah. those concepts to us? Sure. War consciousness. So, so let's start with word consciousness, consciousness in this book, in this context, it's yes, you're awake. Avine, you are conscious today. You're here talking to me. I am conscious too. I'm here talking to you. So we are awake and aware. Mm-hmm. Now, I instead of qualifying that in in a hundred different ways, I boiled it down to one basic differentiating factor, which is division, separation, or connection, cooperation. 
And, and so in, if you're in war consciousness on the inside, you have internal conflict. You don't know what to decide. You don't know what to do. You're worried about what other people are thinking of you. You're worrying, if do I look fat in this? You know, all of this is war consciousness on the inside. And then on the outside as well, in business, we try to capture, contain, and control someone or something so we can make a profit and we want to extract something from them. We want to win. We want to be right. So the other person is wrong. That is war consciousness. And so it's a perception. It's an attitude. It's a way of being and doing in the world and a way of thinking. Love consciousness is on the other end. That is where you have harmony in your heart and mind, hopefully your body too. And you have, uh, you, you, you don't want to capture, contain and control. You want to um, comprehend. You want to back up. What's the bigger picture here? Let's comprehend before we jump. What are we trying to do? Let's understand the reasoning, the why. What is optimal? What's the best thing for everybody involved? And within war, con within love consciousness, we have uh, short, medium, and long-term goals for the greater good. It's not just what's in it for me. And so I and and. It's easy to know as a human, when you're in that state of love consciousness, you feel peace of mind, you experience joy on a daily basis, you have a sense of fulfillment, and you're not feeling bad, mad, and sad all the time and being trapped within, your, within these negative emotions. They're minimized. I love that. It it reminds me too, I'm really passionate about this concept of heart coherence where sort of heart brain are in alignment. It sounds very similar to that. Um, and I love, I love your description. I love that message. Um, so what do you say to someone who's listening, who may be um, working really hard in their line of work? Um, because it seems that in the, the dominant model in our society is war consciousness, right? That there's not enough, that we have to work really hard to earn what we get. And if we're not careful, someone will take it from us. You know, so so it seems like the dominant social structure is war consciousness. Is that correct? Correct. correct. Yes. The hope is that, you know, as you talk about that you're mentoring CEOs, young people, that maybe, maybe the tide is beginning to shift. It is. And this is also, I wrote this book in a very condensed way. I worked on it for 10 years. Wow. Very condensed way. Why? Because I want people to be able to learn quickly. This is the MC squared, not just a personal happiness and success, but also how we crowdsource a new form of thinking and being in order to save ourselves and the planet. Yes. We cannot practice sustainability in business or or like even things like circular economy. Those are all the sort of like a ripple effect of someone being love conscious, thinking for the greater good and, and, and understanding it's not just about me and how I make money. It's what I do and how I do it for the world and for the clients and for the employees, these for the planet. 
Can you share, you know, I know um, one of the things uh, mentioned after your name is CEO Whisperer. Can you share a success story of someone who maybe you've coached who's followed this guidance to transform their lives? Um, there are many. I can't name names. Of course. Um, there's different kinds of successes, but I do have, uh, and again, on the young side, and I have a couple of really interesting old white guys too, which are <laughs> fun. Yes. And they're okay with me calling them old white guys. <laughs> um, so success stories. So, so basically, so one CEO in the local, uh, tech, uh, Boston, MIT, Harvard group of nerds, mm-hmm. amazing brain power, but they didn't know how to like, as you would say, open up, you know, like yes. gotta go out and get clients. It's a very challenging thing. Now, instead of being in a place of war, consciousness, fear, what are people thinking? What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? They were able to go over, you know, that, forget about that and take the whole process of seeking clients as a process of, this is a wonderful experience. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm meeting amazing people. This is a practice round. I don't have to worry about the outcome. I don't have to be all attached to the outcome. I'm actually okay. That's another thing about being in love consciousness. It's not about some woo-hoo dancing around in the backyard and and or or I'm going to own something into existence by just sitting there and I'm going to manifest a new car. No, this is about how you relate in life and how wonderful it is just to go through life and the end result was within a matter of months they uh doubled their uh client portfolio i mean but like monetarily amazing yeah so cuz cuz here's the trick the world is actually fundamentally energetically love conscious it obeys rules that i talked about cooperation comprehension care using compassion those are actual universal laws that regulate the underlying fabric of reality now mankind in its business models and extraction economy have created all sorts of um you know excel sheets and all the rest uh, that is very left brain centric, very capture, contain and control, calculate, manipulate what you can get out of it was to, you know, get the dollar signs and not that left brain is not useful, but it should not be leading. And so those systems are kind of a surface thing that has to be diminished in order for the actual love consciousness to, so if you're, see, it's like, it's like waves mm-hmm. or, or levels of water. You might have like a current on the top that looks, you know, really violent and frothy and it's pushing you around. That would be like the war conscious surface of the things we do in a day. But the underlying really deep current of the water of life is love conscious and it's constantly moving in a constructive way. It's sort of always there pushing you in the, in the direction of construction and, and, and 
and success and happiness and fulfillment and, and, and fulfilling potential. That's what it wants for all of us. And so the title of your book is Flip Your Switch. What does that refer to? And when we get down to it, is this a thought process? Is this how do we um, quiet war consciousness and amplify love consciousness? So it's called Flip Your Switch, A User's Guide to a Whole New Mind. It is really a manual. That's why I spent 10 years on it. I've written 10 times that much, boiled it down into something bite-sized pieces. The chapters are very small. They incrementally augment and build upon one construct builds on another. It's a journey. Um, It's really a methodology because I can't coach everybody. And I feel like everybody should know this because I wish someone had told me. And so it's in three parts, knowledge, know-how, and knowing. The first part is understanding uh, new concepts, knowledge about how our mind works. So it's like, you know, understanding the mind in in a new way. The second part is a lot of how-tos shifting your ideas, you know, reframing, try this, try that, go out and research this, listen to that or this other thing, you know, watch this TED talk, lots of how-tos in the middle section, because that's the journey you're going to shift. And the third part is the knowing. And the knowing comes from the transcend, where one transcends the petty self to connect with the higher self. And yes, we all have one and it's always there wanting to support you and guide you, but you have to do the work to elevate yourself enough so that you can hear it and then let it help you. And so the third part is about the daemon. I use the daemon, uh, which is the Greek term uh, in from philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because it's a term that is completely non-psychological and non-religious. It's for everybody. And how is and for those who have not heard that term before, can you translate what that what that means? Um, yeah, it's it's um so the the daemon is the higher self or what you would call um some in some some uh, religions call it, or spiritual uh, tra- traditions call it um, the daemon. Some call it the divine seed. Um, there's so many names for it. Uh, Buddha nature. Um, it, and it's really the core or the soul, if you prefer, of who we are beyond the physical and mental. But so I've really tried to make it as as non-woo-woo and super tactical, practical. Try this, do this, think about this, try apply it in your life and see what happens. And how do you think? Um, because I think your message is is beautiful. I love how it's um 
written in a language that can be applied to business, can be applied, you know, it's outside of certain um, religious contexts or spiritual contexts, kind of people won't even pick it up. Um, so it seems like you've worked really hard to create a manual that, you know, CEOs can use. So that's exciting to me. Um, how does it, like, why now? Why do you think this is such an important message with, you know, what's going on in our world systems that seem to be um, breaking down, perhaps to break through? Can you talk to that at all? Oh, I love that. Breaking down to break through. And I'm like, I'm totally on board with that. Um, let's see, from a bigger social economic point of view, um, you know, there are two economies. There's the natural economy where we, you know, I give apples and green beans and we, you know, there's a natural economy where people help people in small groups and communities. And, you know, the transaction is actual natural and real and just it's, it's happening. And that's actually how nature works. And I call that the natural economy. Um, uh, there's other names for it in economics. And then there's the Miltonian extraction economics, which is a pyramid system where all of the value created at the bottom gets pushed up to the top so that we can, and, and it's actually designed um, socially and economically to create uh, value at the top and to extract as much as possible from the lower echelons of the pyramid. And we're constantly, I mean, I have an MBA, I know this, we're constantly looking at ways to be more efficient. You know, like, how can we squeeze whatever we're doing to make more profit out of it every step of the way, which is why in Miltonian economics, it's okay to dump trash into the river and let the community worry about it so that I can make some more dollars. And that's just a cliche example, I know, but it's happening all over the world all of the time. So I really wanted to concentrate on leaders for the ripple effect. That's why CEO Whisperer, uh, to really get up close and personal with CEOs that have a desire to do things right, well, for the greater good, but find themselves trapped in a system that makes it difficult for them. Um, and I have one amazing success story in that as well. A CEO who, when we started, he had a handful of um, incubators, accelerators, and these uh, all over you know the world. I think he's he's somewhere around 120 now. Wow. Um, and he has never touched one dollar of venture capital. He is completely organic. And his, he's on a mission as a social entrepreneur to support, educate, and um, elevate uh, founders who are all over the world in countries everywhere, including some really tough spots, uh, to bring value to their communities without participating in a corporate extraction model, meaning he's 120 cities. But at the same time, he's right there local. So it, it's an inter new business models are being created because this pyramid system will implode. The middle class isn't holding it together anymore for the rest, for the guys at the top. So now that we're, we've, we've depleted the middle class, people need two jobs 
in the lower classes to survive, which is outrageous, um, because we need to push all that value up to the top. And we can't give people proper um, money for the value that they create. So that is my economic reason for why it's time. There are other uh, more esoteric, I would say, reasons. But there, I mean, for me, the economic change is just the proof is in the pudding. And how do you vision, you know, I, I think um, people will resonate with what you're saying. They feel it. They've lived it. Um, how do you envision that we can shift without a total dismantling of the pyramid? Because while that might need to change, that might seem worrisome to some people. Like, well, mm-hmm. really hard and this is what I have. And and mm-hmm. is this going to go away? You know. It, how do you how do you make the shift and stay in love consciousness? Well, here's the deal. It's actually the other way around. By getting into love consciousness, by more people being in love consciousness, we create the opportunity to shift. Mm-hmm. To Einstein, right? Coding. No problem was ever solved at the level of consciousness at which it was created. So by switching into love consciousness, leaving behind our our behavioral patterns that are anchored in the petty self, and we start to develop behavioral thought, uh, thought and patterns as well that are anchored in love consciousness with the higher self, we start doing things differently. And there's a whole, I mean, there are industry industries that are not, not here yet, and they are just dying to be birthed. They are, they, they want to explode. Like re- everything to do with the regeneration of this planet, there's whole manufacturing stuff that needs to be done. Somebody's got to pick that up. There's um whole um different ways of growing food. There's different ways of treating water. There are whole massive industries waiting to be born. And they're just they're in their infancy because we're still in war consciousness. Now, the minute we shift our minds and start to crowdsource that somehow collectively, and that the ideas of, of things like love consciousness go mainstream, then we can start to talk about bigger, better solutions and different ways of organizing. Like, I mean, did you ever imagine that you could go online and then order something and it lands on your step the next day? I mean, the logistics that humans are are, are capable of doing is amazing. We're amazing. But we're not tapping into that part that's amazing because we're afraid in fear consciousness and in war consciousness. Yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of what you're speaking um, points to sort of this quantum model of creation, right? That because when we get wrapped up in the how, like in the cursed hows, well, oh my gosh, everything's so screwed up. How, like, how can we reinvent it? But, you know, when you talk about Einstein and that problems can't be solved at the level of consciousness that they're created, that, that by shifting into what you call love consciousness, um, 
answers arise. Like we have access to greater capacities and that we can't even imagine, right? It's yeah. like how when when great um, artists or writers or you know, those guys at MIT and those women at MIT have these breakthroughs. They often, when you ask them how it happened, they can't really linearly describe. They're like, it almost arrived. <laughs> yes, um, yes, yeah. it, absolutely. And so this is something that applies like, and, and and this is something I tell my clients all the time. Like, okay, the first thing you're going to do is recognize and minimize the war consciousness that you're participating in. Okay. And it's like a little patch reprogramming. We take out a little bit that's not working. We try to put in something, we reframe, you know, and it's, it's work. It takes time. Mm -hmm. But the, the golden rule is when you let go of the war consciousness and you're willing to trust and you're willing to give up on your war conscious beliefs and patterns, you create space. What will naturally fall into that space is something of a, of a more elevated nature towards love consciousness. Because love consciousness is how everything works. So if you get rid of the man-made war consciousness, the, it's going to fill up automatically. And it's systematic. Never has it not happened in my 30 years of, of looking at this. And what I love then is that, you know, because sometimes I think it can be overwhelming to people who really do want to live in love consciousness and who are there some of the time. And I love when you talk about the ripple effect, because when I talk about coherence, it's like one person in love consciousness impacts a wider field than than one person in war consciousness, thankfully. <laughs> and so it's not like we have to get 100% of the world on board. There's a certain, there's almost this tipping point, right? Yes. I even talk about the tipping point in my book. Um, I, I named that uh, pure positive critical mass. So, because there's a point where you as an individual or a group or a company or a country or whatever gets enough love consciousness going that the nature of whether you want to call it quantum or natural uh, forces or whatever, I just call it love consciousness, it will kick in and support you. So if you get rid of enough of those, if you make enough space by getting rid of that war conscious behavior and thinking, and then you start to get in, get enough like weight into you that is love conscious things just synchronistically just start showing up and supporting you because again, you're in, you're going with the actual real underlying current of life rather than going against it and trying to be different or, or trying to be, you know, oh, so special uh, or, or make your own way, you know, be the lone rhino or something. No, if you actually get into the flow of it and start to participate, things come in and support you. Yeah, I remember recently reading a quote, and I don't know who wrote it, um, but it, and it was linear, but it said, you know, those at the bottom compete, those at the top collaborate. And that just made me pause because that idea of collaboration is, first of all, so much more fun, um, but it's it's really antithetical to this, you know, individual um, 
especially in the West, you know, this person who's self-made. I mean, I live in Colorado now, like, you know, this kind of rugged individualism that you have to do it yourself. Right. And and that's very Western for starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is part of our culture. Um, and it is fundamental that sort of individual it, over over accentuating or overweighting the idea of being an individual is very war conscious. It's keeping you from evolving. It's keeping movements from happening by separating them out not allowing people to come together and, and, you know, and we have a lot of these war conscious social constructs, which I talk about in the book, where we think that we have to do things a certain way and get um, permission uh, from some authority in order to be able to show up and do it. And a lot of that is just war consciousness and, and pieces that over hundreds of years in the group mind have developed and we have to debunk them and like understanding you don't need to be a certain way in order to succeed. It's in, it's in you. You can find your path um, and you can find lots of other people who are also doing something come together. There's a, you know how this is one thing about, they talk about Darwin and they, they say like um, about how, you know, it's, that what is it like the the one who wins you know um but actually nature most of the time is cooperative it's not beating anybody down the trees in the backyard are not beating anybody down neither are my tomatoes or you know there there's a lot in in there like but the the bees pollinate you know we have the pollinators and then the soil and then the leaves drop and then they biodegrade and they nourish the soil and and then the worms and the bugs they eat all that up it's all very cooperative mm-hmm. that's how it works here i love your message um i love your book i love that it's that it's out in the world now And I wonder if someone who's listening, and I'm going to link your book, Flip Your Switch, A User's Guide to a Whole New Mind, um, in the show notes. But I wonder if someone who's listening who's like, I want to start now. Like, can you give any kind of, knowing that it's a process and knowing that our mind, of course, this sounds great. I want all of it right now. A first step. So one of the things I like to talk about is like our next right step, because all we have to do is just take a step. What would you suggest for people? Gosh, there's so many. I mean, and this book is written in a way you can start at any point, any mm-hmm. part of it. It doesn't, you know, it's all, it's all, it's woven. It's, right. it, you know, um, I think the first thing that comes to mind that a lot of people suffer from, and I love to alleviate suffering because I like people to be happy, is understanding the happiness formula lie that is a social construct, meaning, We all seem to feed into this group mind idea that if I create this formula where I get the right job, I get the right dress size, I get the right, you know, send my kids to the right school or live in the right neighborhood or or redo my kitchen in the right way (laughs) or, you know, like, I don't know, like there's so many things. Mm -hmm. It's a never ending 
formula that if I get all these things right, then that will equal happiness. And I think it's one of the biggest things that keeps people from taking the time and using their money, their time, and their energy in ways that do not subscribe to this formula, but but are about their own personal development, having good relationships, finding joy and fulfillment in their lives. So if you can kind of distance yourself and, and debunk that and realize that that's a lie, forget it, find out what will really make you happy, find out what's really important to you, and go on a journey to get there. And hopefully you'll buy the book and that will shorten a couple of decades off your journey. <laughs> that would be good. Um, I think that's great advice. And it's one that um, is so woven into our society and our upbringing that it's okay if you know we launch out on this journey and then two months in, we realize we're playing in that happiness formula again, like that it takes time to shift. Absolutely. I still have to fight it. It's coming at me every day. I'm getting older. And so now I'm going to worry about my body. You know, what does it mean? Do I need to look a certain way? And of course it's there. It's just not letting it rule you. Yes. Um, Terry, what if someone listening wants to buy your book, they'll read your book. Do you work with people or um, can you talk yes. with them about that at all? Yes. Well, I do the, I do coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, so that my coaching website is whitelilycoaching.com. Uh, okay. We'll link that. Yep. There's uh, they can reach me on LinkedIn, ter Dr. Terry Badar, LinkedIn. They can reach me on Insta, uh, Dr. Terry Badar one on Instagram. And also I have a new platform that it's just getting started, which is called love conscious human where uh, right now I'm starting a cultivating joy series kind of getting fundamentally. And then I'm doing Fierce Females Finding Voice as well. And I will be doing for members who want to join the Love Conscious Human community, they can come to a monthly Q&A with me about the book. So reading the book and then being like, hey, what do you mean? Or I thought this, is this what you mean? Or this is giving me trouble. How do I, so that's in a group setting, mm -hmm. but you can get, so you don't have to take the coaching per se individually, but you can get this, you know, group conversation going about a subject and I'm going to be doing a podcast. How wonderful. I really enjoyed this conversation. I can't wait to read the book. I think that um, what I love is um, I see a lot of the work that's being done, like spokes on a wheel, like so many people are arriving at a similar message, yes, coming at it with their own expertise, you know, like you've been in the world of business and, and coaching CEOs. And so you can come at it from that particular zone of genius. So I think it's really fun to see how so many brilliant people are pointing towards the same awareness and and the hope that, you know, there'll just be enough people pointing in ways that your message may totally land with someone better than someone else's message and vice versa. And that it's not, it's just about arriving in love consciousness. Yeah. Yes. I love that because that's the pure positive critical mass. Mm -hmm. That's the coming together. That's the cooperation. Exactly. Right? 
we can all do uniquely what we're doing mm-hmm. because we're all plugging into the love consciousness in our own way. Yeah. Yeah. And in that way, abundance, not scarcity. Right. How wonderful. Uh, Dr. Terry Bader, thank you so much for your time and the work you're doing in the world. Um, really grateful. We will link your book, which once again, flip your switch, a user's guide to a whole new mind. We'll link that in the show notes. And um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Aveen. Awesome. <laughs>